From right here in the beautiful Flathead Valley, I'm Micah Drew, and this is the Flathead Beacon Podcast for Wednesday, November 17th. The fight over abortion access has been playing out in state houses and courts across the country in recent months, including some high-profile cases, such as a Texas law that bans abortions after six weeks while letting regular citizens carry out enforcement. Here in Montana, the Republican-controlled legislature held its first session in 16 years without the threat of a Democratic governor's veto and passed several laws restricting abortion access in the state. My colleague Maggie Dresser wrote about Montana's situation in the battle over access in this week's Beacon cover story. She joins the pod to dive in a little deeper to her reporting. But before we get to that conversation, a reminder that this episode of the Flathead Beacon podcast is made possible in part by members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Members support all of our journalism in all of its forms, in print, online, and here in the podcast studio, and they do so for as little as $5 per month. Members get some extra perks too, so if you want to find out more or join today, visit beaconeditorsclub.com. I'm joined today by my colleague Maggie Dresser, who wrote the cover story in this week's Beacon, Battle Over Access, which is all about the fight playing out in legislatures and courts nationwide over abortion rights. Maggie, thanks for joining the pod. Thanks for having me. Let's start. You pitched this a few weeks ago. What got you thinking about the issue? Well, on the national level, there's a lot going on with abortion rights right now, particularly in Texas. And in Montana, after this past legislative session, um, we had a few anti-abortion bills get passed. And this is a big deal because this is the first time this has happened in 16 years because we now have an anti-abortion governor who signed all these bills where previous administrations vetoed them. Well, let's start with those bills. The legislative session did occur this spring and a number of bills did successfully make it through the process and to the governor's desk. Can you just give us a a rundown of some of the measures that passed? Yeah, so there's four of them. The first one requires that providers give patients an opportunity to view an ultrasound when they go in to have an abortion. The second one limits the gestation period to 20 weeks, so you cannot have an abortion if you're already 20 weeks in, Mm -hmm. which isn't a huge deal because not very many go in at that point, but still limits access. The third one is the most limiting, which requires if you have a medical abortion, you have to physically go in to a provider. So it basically nixes telehealth, which is Mm -hmm. how a lot of people get abortions these days. And the fourth one is a referendum that's supposed to go on a 2022 ballot, basically punishes providers for they don't provide life-saving measures if something goes wrong with an abortion they can get penalized. Um, But that one's also not a huge deal because those are really rare instances, but all still limiting. And the first three now have a preliminary injunction over them. So they are blocked right now. Well, let's start. You kind of mentioned earlier that this is the first time in 16 years Montana's had an anti-abortion governor. Uh, We have a Republican in the governor's mansion. So these bills uh, don't have to face the threat of a Democratic veto. Um, which is why they all were signed into law. What did the Republican legislators you talked to express about being able to finally make it through that extra step of actually signing these laws? I mean, it's something they've been pushing for for a long time. They 
try to get these bills passed every session, Mm -hmm. but they just haven't been successful in a while. Um, So now that three of those bills that they got passed have a injunction over them, they're not happy. Talk to me a little bit about some of the discussions you had with lawmakers. Well, the main reason or the only reason that those laws got blocked was because a judge wrote that they were unconstitutional because Montana has the Montana Constitution has a very strong protection to the right of privacy. So those laws were therefore unconstitutional. And the lawmakers I spoke with do not believe that there's anything in the Constitution about the right to privacy. And they believe that since technically there's new DNA with conception, that that is a new person and you don't have the right to decide for them. That is how they view this. You mentioned that telehealth being nixed um, is a problem, especially because Montana is such a big rural place and people have to now go in person for medical abortions. There's only a handful of those clinics uh, in the entire state. What did providers that you talked to um, say in terms of this being a very restrictive, only having a couple places statewide? Yeah, so there's only five clinics and that's in Whitefish, Missoula, Billings, Helena, and Great Falls. And Great mm-hmm. Falls only does telehealth. Um, and it's just such a huge state. Like so many people that are seeking abortions do it through telehealth because mm-hmm. otherwise they would have to drive hours each direction. Um, so it makes access much easier. So yeah, not having telehealth is a huge barrier. If we zoom out a little bit, can you give us a bit of the an overview of what's going on on the national level? Yeah. So in Texas, they have the six-week ban now, which mm-hmm. essentially limits all abortion because most that's pretty much the earliest stage you can even know that you're pregnant. So they essentially just banned abortion. Um, and so that sets framework for the rest of the country. It doesn't necessarily mean that each state is going to do that, but they can try. Uh, Montana is a little different than other states. Our state constitution, um, our right to privacy is stronger than the federal right to privacy. Mm. So if Roe v. Wade, which is the landmark decision that allowed women to have the choice to have an abortion, if that is struck down, like we'll still be in the same boat. Everything will likely go to the Montana Supreme Court and not to the federal level. But other states, there's 11 states that have trigger laws, which mean if Roe v. Wade is struck down, there's 11 states that automatically ban abortion no matter what. And those states include North Dakota, South Dakota, and Idaho, which border all border Montana. So we could be seeing an influx of people in that kind of scenario if Montana is left as one of the few places to still offer abortion access. Yep, and we don't have a ton of providers to begin with. So we would likely see more patients traveling here. And yeah, that would just mean longer wait times for everybody, which is not what you want when you're seeking an abortion. Well, finally, let's go back. You did mention the the injunctions that are in place for three of the bills, um, stopping them from taking effect. What is the process and timeline for those working their way through the court system? So I spoke with Martha Stahl, who's she's the CEO of Planned Parenthood in Mm -hmm. Montana. And she's not sure what the timeline is. No, I mean, nobody knows what the timeline is, and she's really not sure what the court will decide. Um, but it will likely go to the Montana Supreme Court, mm-hmm. who will decide in the end what happens. But we don't know when that will be. 
Well, Maggie, we all appreciate your reporting on this issue. You did write a great cover story. So if you have not read it yet, be sure to pick up a copy of this week's Flathead Beacon. And Maggie, thanks for coming up and being on the pod again. Thanks, Micah. And now, here are the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 10 p.m., Tuesday, November 16th. Although the Going to the Sun Road corridor has been closed to the public since last month, Glacier National Park officials recently released their monthly data tracking visitation through September. After lifting its ticketed entry requirement on the Going to the Sun Road on September 6th, Glacier National Park went on to record the busiest September in history, according to the most recently compiled visitation data, which showed 710,661 visits for the month. The data revealed that most visitors flocked to the park's two main entrances that required a reservation to access it during the height of the summer. The West Entrance, which received 428,000 visitors in September, and St. Mary, which saw 101,000 visitors. By comparison, 219 visitors passed through the West Entrance in September of 2019, while just over 100,000 arrived in St. Mary the same month. The record-breaking figure marked a 47% increase over the previous high mark for September visitation, which occurred in 2016, the year the Park Service's centennial celebrations drove record crowds through the gates. Around the Flathead, weekly COVID-19 case totals have dipped recently, but hospitalizations remain high. COVID-19 deaths of 25 people were reported between October 29th and November 15th. County data reported Monday by the Montana Department of Public Health and Human Services put Flathead County's COVID-19 death total at 199 people, the third highest death total of any Montana county. Flathead County on Monday had 65 new cases and 528 active cases, which is the fifth highest in the state. Even with some decrease in weekly case numbers, Flathead County continues to see a high number of people seeking out hospital care. On November 15th, Logan Health had 44 COVID-19 patients, 36 of whom were unvaccinated. Down in Kalispell, the Imagine If library system is currently reviewing two books in its collection that received formal complaints over the last few weeks. Interim Library Director Martha Thurman reported to the Board of Trustees at their October meeting that she had received a formal challenge to the book Gender Queer, a Memoir, a comic written by Maya Kobabe. The book, published in 2019, has been at the center of book-banning discussions across the country as community members have complained about its graphic content and LGBTQ themes. But action has only been taken in instances where the book is part of a school's library collection, not a public library like Imagine If. The process for the library now involves professional staff reading the book, evaluating it on merits laid out in the materials collection policy, which can be viewed online, and then making a recommendation for the Board of Trustees to vote on. And finally, the Brawl of the Wild, Montana's biggest college rivalry football game, is back this weekend in Missoula, where the Grizz will be hosting the Bobcats for the 128th showdown. The Bobcats have won the last four brawls and enter with a stronger season record, but the Grizz might have a home crowd advantage and will hope to pull off the same upset magic they did in their season opener against the University of Washington. Unabashedly, as most of our newsroom graduated from the University of Montana School of Journalism, I would be remiss if I didn't say, Go Grizz! And that's all we have for this week. If you haven't yet, be sure to pick up the latest edition of the Flathead Beacon, which is on stands now. And once again, I can tell you we are hard at work getting the Flathead Living Magazine winter issue ready to go to print. 
This episode of the Flathead Beacon podcast was hosted, edited, mixed, and produced by me, Micah Drew. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.